The story of the Last Supper in John's Gospel recalls a remarkable event not mentioned elsewhere. Jesus performs the duty of a slave, washing the feet of his disciples and urging them to do, to do the same for one another. The Holy Gospel according to John, the 13th chapter. Now before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray him. And during supper, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, got up from the table took off his outer robe and tied a towel around himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered, You do not know what I am doing, but later you will understand. Peter said to him, You will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, One who is bathed does not need to wash except for the feet, but is entirely clean. And you are clean, though not all of you. For he knew who was about to betray him. For this reason he said, Not all of you are clean. After he had washed their feet, had put on his robe and had returned to the table, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? Do you know? You call me teacher, Lord, and you are right, for that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Very truly, I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little while longer. You will look for me. And as I said to the Jews, so I now say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. The Gospel of our Lord. How do you love? Or how do you show love? How do you know or experience, receive love? How do you recognize love in others? How do others recognize love in you? Throughout Lent, some of us have been studying Matthew's Sermon on the Mount. Amy Jill Levine, New Testament scholar and author of the book we used, emphasizes community as essential to the kingdom of God. We talked about the Beatitudes, comfort and blessing, 
We talked about the extensions, building fences around the law to protect. We talked about being salt and light, being known as disciples by how we live for the world and not for ourselves. We talked about fasting, treasure, prayer. There's a lot to take in with that sermon or collection of greatest hits. Last night, our final session, we talked about living into the kingdom, the ideal community according to Jesus. And when I did this same book study with another congregation two years ago, in the section headed due to others, after bracketing, thus the scriptures of Israel can be summarized in two ways, the golden rule and love of God slash love of neighbor. I wrote at the bottom of the page, read to know how to love, not who to love. As I admitted yesterday to the afternoon group, I don't remember why I wrote that, but I think there's something about it that is still true. Throughout each of the Gospels, Jesus consistently tells his disciples to love one another, to even love their enemies. So there's no question about who to love, it's everyone. And, you know, Jesus talks a lot about neighbor. And neighbor isn't a geographic term, those who live next door. Neighbor is a theological term, those in whom we see God's image, whose needs we can see as maybe our own now or maybe someday. Like that Samaritan man who stopped to take care of the Israelite man who had been robbed, beaten, and left for dead. He saw such a possibility happening to himself or someone in his family and he provided what the so-called enemy needed. He was a neighbor. In Matthew 7, near the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus tells his disciples and the eavesdropping crowd around them, in everything, do to others as you would have them do to you, for this is the law and the prophets. Oh, what would you have done to you? How do you receive and share love? Going back to John, Jesus is gathered with friends and disciples to celebrate the Passover, the Jewish high feast celebrating the Hebrews' passage from slavery to, well, initially it's 40 years of wandering the desert with Moses before enough of the grumblers, wow, the manna is not up to our slave standards you know, have died out, and God finally reveals the promised land and the new generation settle. But gathered around the table for this meal, Jesus and his disciples and his friends, they celebrate their ancestors being freed from slavery in a foreign land, moving from the slavery of foreign gods who demand but never provide to the freedom found only in the God of Israel, the one who makes and keeps, keeps covenant who provides all things and commands only that we love as we have first been loved by our creator, whose image we bear and share with the world. Jesus says, and not so much for the first time either, I give you a new commandment that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This is the mandate, the mandatum of Maundy Thursday, to love one another as Jesus has first loved us. 
Nearly 2,000 years later, we gather in worship and remembering of Jesus' last meal with those beloved friends, and we hear again his mandate to love. We hear again that it is by our love that we will be known as Jesus' disciples. But do we really always love as Jesus has first loved us? The sum of the law and the prophets is love. Not a warm, fuzzy feeling, but justice in action. Feeding those among us who hunger, giving drink to our neighbor who thirsts, providing care to the sick in mind, body, spirit, giving shelter to those without, visiting those imprisoned, bringing them back into the community, celebrating who we each are, made in and bearing the divine's image. Nowhere did Jesus put limitations on this radically inclusive love. Give food and drink to those who hunger and thirst, even if they are a Samaritan woman who's had five, five husbands, even if they don't have a job. Give medicine, surgery, and preventative care to those in need, even if it's the Sabbath, even if they can't afford the copay or lack insurance altogether. Give housing even if they're addicted to something. Visit people in prison or under court supervision, even if they've done unspeakable things. Celebrate families, even if the kids have two dads, even if it's a single adult. Reclining around the table with his friends, Jesus celebrates freedom from slavery, shares bread and wine, his body and blood, love in the flesh and crumbs. Even with Judas, who he knew was about to hand him over for suffering and death. Love and blood and wine poured out for all, even for Peter, who he knew would be afraid and deny him before others. How has Jesus loved you? Love without reservation or condition, as you have first been loved by God. Amen.